0: All right, let's turn our Bibles to the book of Romans. And uh, Karen and I just got back from a conference on the mainland. It was a conference on the end times, end times prophecy. I have never been so appreciative of the words of Jesus when he said, when these things begin to happen, look up, your redemption draws near. Folks, (laughs) we're well into the beginning of it happening. So. then this, this morning, the, the sermon is called Aiming Higher. Uh, the more I got into this, this happens a lot when you're studying it. I realized we're supposed to concentrate on one verse today instead of a group of verses. Uh, Want to mix it up, have a shorter time here and end into a time of prayer. Uh, we'll get in, we're gonna mix it up a little bit this morning. Um, so aiming higher, it's the idea of Philippians chapter three, uh, verse 12, where Paul the Apostle, look, listen to this. He goes, it's not that I've already attained. I'm not there, I haven't arrived. I'm not perfected, uh, but I press on. I love that term. It, it seems active and proactive, and I, I'm pressing on. And Here's the reason, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. So he's saying, guys, I was saved on purpose. It's like Jesus Christ came up to me and grabbed me. He laid hold of me, and I want to press on so that I can lay hold on that for which He got me. He He got me on purpose for a purpose, and I want to press on until I do that. I want to aim higher. Now, the thing about aiming higher, you'll have times when it's a lot of victory. But there's also times of defeat, times when there were some shortcomings. And it's always good to have one of those attaboys. This is uh, Pastor Bob, loves this term attaboy. And it's really uh, short for that-a-boy, if you're wondering. And it's like a pat on the back. It's this appreciation going, that-a-boy. I saw what you did. I'm behind you. I'm in your corner. I appreciate you. Now, it can come like a text. That didn't happen 20 years ago. But it happens now. It can come as an Email snail mail for some of you and if you're really radical a phone call you know who does that these days (laughs) somebody needs a phone call over here (laughs) but it can come and and then uh, as it does you go oh man I, I I hear that attaboy so in Romans 15 one verse verse 14 Paul the Apostle gives three attaboys to the Roman church so we're reading, I'm reading for the New King James Bible. And it's uh, just one verse. Romans 15, verse 14. Now I myself am confident concerning you. Understand, they just got a little beat up. Right? As a church, they were saying, listen, you guys are, are judging one another. We don't appreciate I don't know What do you think you're doing when you're judging the servant of another? They're, they're kind of, you know, like you, some are saying you should eat meat. Others are saying, what are you doing eating that meat? And So they're kind of beat up, and yet Paul's going, no, wait, 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 wait. Let's pull it back. I'm confident that God has His hand on you guys. I'm confident concerning you, my brethren. So there's this tone of voice. Remember, my brethren means I love you. I want God's best for you. That you also are, here's attaboy number one. You're full of goodness. Attaboy number two. You're filled with all knowledge. Attaboy number three, you're able to admonish one another. So let's pray, Lord, this is your word. And your Holy Spirit is here to reveal your truth to us. We want your truth. And may we apply it to our hearts and our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, so here's this first attaboy. Okay, you are full of goodness. Now, that means you're growing, It's a term, it's a fancy term we use in churches called sanctification. You're growing means you get saved instantly, but the rest of your life, the rest of my life, we are being sanctified. It's a term that means I'm not what I was 10 years ago, but by the grace of God, I'm not what I will be 10 years from now, I'm growing. So for an illustration of this, I like Jacob. Now, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, we did Jacob about a year ago and I just love his story. Uh, Remember Jacob and Esau, they're twin boys. Esau was the firstborn, so he gets the blessing and the birthright. He gets twice as much as his younger brother, all right? So they're in this dysfunctional family, it's a problem. So mom, Rebecca, favors Jacob. Dad favors his brother Esau. This family is split right down the middle. They are dysfunctional. This is a crazy way to grow up. And so here the dad's about to die. And the mom goes to Jacob, listen, we have to trick your father so that you get the birthright, you get the blessing and not your brother. And so he's full of deceitfulness. And he's deceptive as he goes into his dad and tricks him, Jacob tricks his dad into giving him the blessing. You see, on this overhead, he wanted the blessing of God, but not really God the blesser. I call that human nature. God, I want your best for me. I, I want you to bless me. I want you to prosper. I want to love, peace, and joy. But I can't get into the Bible right now. I can't go to Bible study. I can't go to, wait, 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 wait. I want the blessing, not necessarily the blesser. So he goes in, Tricks his dad, gets the blessing. Then his brother Esau finds out. And there's no blessing really for him. So then Esau, the brother, comforts himself thinking of ways to kill Jacob. The mom gets wind of it. She says, man, you got to run for your life. Run. So now in in, uh, what we find, he's backslidden. He's literally running for his life. It's not a figure speech. His brother's ready to kill him. And he's suffering the consequences of his sinful actions. So then in chapter 28, he gets this, it has the Jacob's ladder experience. Maybe you've heard about this. It's a great thing. He's running for his life. He's tired. He's looking for some comfort. And his pillow is a rock. To me, that signifies the condition of his heart and his brain. He is just hard as a rock. He's looking for comfort. There is none. And somehow he falls asleep. And he has this dream, this vision of a ladder that goes from where he is on earth up into heaven and angels are going up and down. We call it Jacob's ladder. The thing is he wakes up from the dream and he says, surely God was in this place and I didn't know it. And I think that happens a lot in our lives where God is working in our lives and we're not aware of it. Like if I was Jacob, I'd be, I'm aware that I'm deceptive. I'm aware that I'm a cheat. I'm aware that I'm facing consequences for my sin. I'm aware that if I were God, I'd want to get rid of me. And I was not aware. This is where God's looking for me. I mean, this is the last place I figured God would look for me. And he wakes up shocked. He's having this experience with God, and now he's got to respond to it. And he grows in that he responds in faith. And he says, okay, God, if that's you, I know it's you, let's enter this relationship. And he responded in faith. That's how he was growing. So now, Jacob, it's time to aim higher. But here's the deal. When he said, surely... God was in this place and I didn't know it. How many here need to hear that? How many showed up here and you go, <laughs> you know, you're backslidden? Well, it's a curious place for you to hide from God in church. Uh, or, you know, you just, you're fully aware of, my goodness, I've been deceptive. I've been, I'm suffering the consequences for my actions, my sins. I, I just, I, I'm looking for comfort. I'm not finding any. And all of a sudden... Someone comes up to you and says, you know, God's working in your life. You go, what? I wasn't aware of it. And how you respond at that point determines whether or not you're growing, you're progressing, you're becoming more and more sanctified unto the Lord. So here's the second attaboy. The second is, I know you're filled with knowledge. What that does not mean is that they're omniscient. Omni is all all science, all knowledge. He goes, no, that's not you, okay? Uh, That God is uh, the only one that's omniscient. But he's saying you have a working knowledge of the Word of God coupled with a working knowledge, sorry, coupled with a working knowledge of the grace of God. Again, these guys just got beat up for being too judgmental. They just got beat up, man, you're you're forcing your trip on your brothers, come on. But then he's saying, look, I haven't lost faith in you. I know God's got his hand upon you. I am confident of this. I just love how he's approaching this. He goes, so you have this working knowledge of the word of God with the grace of God. You don't want the, just the working knowledge of the word of God. You could be the next Peter the apostle. Peter the apostle let loose in a garden with a sword. All he does is cut off ears and leaves a bloody mess behind him. See, some people treat scriptures like they're bullets, and their gun is loaded, and they figure as they're shooting these scriptures, they're doing God a favor. When Peter cut off the ear of that, that guy, he thought he's doing God a favor. He said, No, you don't want to do that. That's like a knowledge of the word without the knowledge, or working knowledge of the grace of God. And, you know, some people, they have just enough knowledge of God's word to be dangerous. That, that would be Peter the Apostle. Now, Contrast that, because we're talking about you're growing in knowledge. How about the word consider? In the Bible, the word consider is used in a negative way and in a positive way. In a negative way, it's it's Satan. You know the story of Job. Satan shows up before God, and God says, "Where have you been? I'm cruising the earth. You know, seeking whom I may devour, basically." And God said, have you considered my servant Job? He's blameless, he's upright. What a blessing. Well, that word consider there is a military term. Okay, if Job was your enemy and you want to attack, have you come up with a plan of attack? And Satan, without any hesitation, you bet, you bet. I know how to take him, I know how to get him to curse you to your face. You just put this hedge of protection around him. And God said, okay, we'll remove that. Just don't kill him. But see, consider there is in a negative, have you thought of a way to take that person down, to rip them to shreds, and Satan, without hesitation, you bet I have, and it'd be foolish to think he hasn't considered you and me and a way to take us down. So that's a negative consider. The positive is found, we just finished the book of Hebrews in our our, um, Ohana groups, and it says in chapter 10, the purpose of going to church, he says, you know, don't forsake going to church. Don't forsake the assembling together like the habit of some. This is the first century church and already they're, they're just ditching church. You know, don't, don't do that. But when you come together, consider each other how to stir up love and good works. So he's saying one size doesn't necessarily fit all. So consider this guy just got a promotion. You're going to treat him, well, well, the guy next to him just got fired. Consider. Have a little mercy. Uh, This guy just won the marathon, and this guy just found out he's got cancer. He's got three months to live. Consider. Have a little mercy. Have some grace. Understand what they're going through. And so I love this contrast. There's a negative where Satan considers how to destroy you, but the positive, how we consider how to build up each other, considering what they're, they're going through. Now, it's also interesting when it comes to understanding and knowledge. He said, he quote in, in Paul, the same, same Paul the Apostle, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he talks about a guy who had been kicked out of church in 1 Corinthians. He was in sexual sin, sexual immorality, and Paul wrote the church, said, hey, Remove him from the umbrella of protection of the church. He needs to understand this is not okay what you're doing. Because it says in the Bible, this shouldn't even be named among the saints, like this kind of sexual immorality. So boot him out. Let him know you're serious about sin. It's like in Revelation chapter 2 to the church of Thyatira. Jesus said, there's this gal and sexual immorality goes I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality she just wouldn't do it I'm going to hand her over to persecution to tribulation I'm sorry there'll be consequences and results so this guy in first Corinthians that was removed from the umbrella of protection of the church fully repents he goes hey thank you you did me a favor I saw I was out of the will of God I've repented now can I get back in and the church, well, I don't know. We're not sure what to do with you. What do we do? Can I come back? So Paul writes 2 Corinthians to say, hey, listen, that guy is a brother. He has fully repented. Bring him back in. And he said, because if you don't, we know about Satan's methods. We know Satan will take that guy down and discourage him, and he'll just go away for good. Bring him back in. So that's his... Uh, the second uh, attaboy is to be operating in grace and knowledge at the same time. It's like Peter the Apostle. The last thing he writes in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, grow, remember sanctification, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to whom be both, the, the, both now and forever the glory So, grow in grace and knowledge. That's his thing. So, here's the third attaboy. How are we doing so far? We want to end faster, sooner, so we can pray with each other. This is going somewhere. So, able to admonish. Now, in the Greek, in the original language of the New Testament, uh, warning and admonishing is the same word. And, And so, you might have one translation that says warn, And the person next to you has a translation that says admonish. It's the same idea. So it it involves caring enough to confront. That's an old title of an old book where you go, man, I see a train wreck coming in this person's life. I can't stand by and not lovingly come alongside. I care enough to confront. So in Acts chapter 20, this is how Paul the Apostle used it. He's speaking, if you're familiar with Acts 20, he's speaking to the leaders of Ephesian church. And he reminds them in verse 31, remember that for three years, that's a long time. For three years, I didn't cease to warn or to admonish everyone. I don't care how, what position they were in the church, everyone, night and day, notice this, with tears, I really cared. And you go, Three years? I might say something once or twice, but I just, I give up too easily. Hey, Paul the Apostle was this bulldog of a person. No, no, no. I care enough to confront. And so with tears. So this is how it works. One guy wrote it in a book years ago. Uh, J. Adams, Competent to Counsel. This is a loose uh, quote from him. He said, Admonish, I, I put the straight stick of the word of God Next to their crooked stick, and I beg them to choose God. And what Paul would say, No, no, no. I cry when I see a stubborn heart. When I see Jacob with a pillow of a rock, I cry. I just God's got better for you. What are you doing? I know you're suffering the consequences of your sin, but God's got better for you. Why don't you get it right with Him now? It's the idea you come alongside and ask them as you lay the straight stick of God's word next to their crooked stick, and you go, If you continue this path for the next 10 years, I see a train wreck. I don't see a good outcome according to the Word of God. It's not my feelings or my. I'm basing this on the Word of God. You know? He will judge. He will correct you as his child. And I care. I don't want to just stand back and and say, well, I told you, you know, just now I care enough like Paul to just want God's best for you, even with tears. So here's, here's how it works. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Proverbs 27, verse 6 was written by King Solomon, right? The third king of the Old Testament. Faithful are the wounds; those are my emphasis. Wounds. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. You know, someone who's just patronizing. Oh, you're the best. You're the bomb. And they don't mean a word of it. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. What does that mean to you? Do you ever just read the scripture and forget about it, or do you just go, "Wow, that sounds kind of powerful"? It's not faithful are the tickles of a friend. It's faithful or the wounds of a friend. It's going to smart. It's going to hurt. You're going to feel it. I love uh, what Pastor Romain, he, a story he shared one time. Pastor, Romain, Pastor Chuck Smith started all the Calvary chapels, which were we are. His right-hand guy was Pastor Romaine, who had been a lifer in the Marines. Uh, toughest nails on the outside, mushy and gushy on the inside. He teaches a Bible study one night, and he's feeling pretty good about it, you know? So he asks his best critic on the way home. That would be his wife. So, how'd it go? What do you think? (laughs) She goes, that was okay, but uh, you went five (laughs) minutes too long. He had the worst drive home in his life. So the whole way home, he goes, What do you know? You've never been up to the only The, morning, the morning of God was on me. The Holy Spirit just showed me the needs in the room. I spoke to their souls. He says all this on the way home. He pulls up in their driveway, turns off the car, and turns to his wife and says, I went too long. You're right. Because faithful are the wounds of a friend. I think everybody who's ever spoken has heard that from his wife, by the way. So, can, so it takes salt. Takes light. Remember, Jesus said, You're the salt of the world. Salt of the earth, light of the world. Takes the Holy Spirit, and again, what we've been talking about a working knowledge of the Word of God, coupled with a working knowledge of the grace of God. Some people are really hurting. So here's the third attaboy. Again, they're able to admonish. Here's a bad example, and we'll couple that with a good example. Bad example. Old Testament. Oh, my goodness. So Eli the high priest is talking to his sons who were priests. Now you have to picture this is uh, before there were kings. Samuel the prophet was about to get raised up. He's just a, a kid. And Eli was pretty much the spokesman for Israel. His sons were the priests who would do the sacrifice. You know, you'd bring your lamb to them and they'd do their thing. And, but they did it all wrong. They just thought, okay, I know this is God's part, but I'm going to roast this for me. I feel, men's stake is mine tonight. Plus, they're sleeping with the women at the entrance of the tent. There's prolific immorality going on. Eli knows about it. And instead of the real admonishment, he goes up to them and says, why are you doing this? We know why they're doing it it's fun, it's sin, it's, you know, grass is greener on the other side, we're doing it because we want to. What a, that's not the way to approach this. If you're going to admonish those sons, you're going, what are you doing? What does God's Word say about it? And what are you going to do about it? And then you, you basically cry over them. I see a train wreck ahead. Please get right with God. But all he says, why are you doing it? They're all killed, by the way. They're all killed. So in contrast to that, a good example would be the prophet Nathan when he went to King David. Okay, we know the story. Still uh, uh, another case of sexual immorality. And the the prophet risking his life. He could have been killed for going to David. David, dude, you're the man. You're in sin. I mean, God took you from being a a shepherd boy out in Bethlehem, out in the hills. He made you a king. And if this wasn't enough, God would have given you more. But you're the man, you committed the sin. And David said, I have sinned. See, that's the kind of accountability, that's the kind of admonishment we're talking about. What does God's word say about it? What did you do? What are you going to do? And so what's interesting, again, King Solomon wrote, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. King Solomon's dad was King David. So when he wrote this verse, was he thinking about Nathan and his dad? I mean, I think it's pretty cool. Like, wow, Nathan was a true friend of my dad's. He spoke into his heart. And, and got him back on track with the Lord. Now, be careful. Not everyone here is supposed to admonish someone this week. <laughs> Somebody has my... Oh, sorry. What happened? Did that sound more anointed that way? But uh, Galatians 6.1, Paul, the same apostle, writes this. Brethren, tone of voice, I love you, want God's best for you. If a man is overtaken in any sin, I don't care what it is, anything, you who are spiritual, you who are spiritually mature, you who have a working knowledge of the Word of God and a working knowledge of the grace of God, you restore, that's my emphasis, but the whole thing, you restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Maybe your Bible says meekness, humble, it's the idea but considering yourself, lest you too be tempted, meaning I'm going to correct this person, and yet you fall into the same sin. He's saying when you go, it's, this is limited to older Christians, more mature Christians, working knowledge of the word, working knowledge of the grace, and you go there realizing, dude, I can fall for that same sin. If you're confronting pornography, you might think, oh, man, it's going to be waiting for me sometime right around the corner. If you're confronting, you know, drug abuse, yeah, it's going to be waiting for me right around the corner. How would you like to be corrected? That's how you go to someone, bro. God's got better for you. I see a train wreck. The goal is repentance that brings restoration and healing. If I go there, like Peter with the sword. There's no repentance. There's no rest. There's definitely no healing. I've just made a mess of things. We're coming towards the end. How do I receive being admonished? Have you ever been admonished? No? uh, Does that mean you're doing a great job? It could be. Could be people are afraid of you. They might just give up. Oh, Michael never hear that; she'll never understand. What that? How do you respond to being admonished? Hebrews twelve, verse eleven says this about being admonished, being uh, disciplined by the Lord. No chastising, no or chastening, no discipline seems joyful at the moment. It's painful. Pay for the wounds. Hey, But nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness by those who've been trained by it. That means by those who've responded. They responded in faith like Jacob. Okay, God's doing this work in my life. I didn't expect him here, but I'm going to respond properly. That's the idea here. Now, Jesus said this, which is hard. You might be familiar with this In, in the Gospel of Luke. He comes up to Jerusalem. He overlooks Jerusalem. And he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Remember, when a name is repeated, it's for em- emphasis, intimacy, I love you. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather you together. And he uses this word picture. I wanted to be like a mother hen, and you'd be the little chicks coming in. I want to protect you. I want to bless you. I want to draw you closer to me. But you were not willing. And I think, would that be me this morning? I mean, does God want to do work in my life and, and grow me in an area, and I'm just not willing? You know, like, you know, I've had enough, Lord. I'm just happy where I am. What is it that He would be doing, and if truth be told, I'm just not willing? This week for experiencing God is, to me, is the best week yet. And it's about a prayer life and about writing things down when the Lord speaks something through the Word of God, praying. Write it down so you can follow through. And I'll do that, but I realize I'm just too lazy. There's times I go, yeah, 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 I'm going to do that. And I don't. Or I forget about it. And that's why the whole like write it down, follow through. You know, if God's put someone in your heart, write it down. Give him a word of encouragement. So, but you were not willing. How much I, I, I hear God saying, I tried to correct you. I tried to prevent this train wreck. But you were not willing. He talks about the gospel a lot in this section, the, the following verses, talking about the gospel to the Gentiles. Taking the gospel to places that's never been heard. So, what is the gospel? I I think it's time to ask people that. John, what's the gospel in your opinion? Could you just say it in like a few points? And it's interesting. In John 3, Jesus meets with this guy named Nicodemus. And it's the famous chapter where Nicodemus says, I know you got the power of God. I mean, no one could do what you do without God. And, you know, and Jesus said, "You could say this: You must be born again. to even see the." Now this is a religious leader. He's part of the San Hedid top top 70 guys in the land. And to him who spent his entire life trying to learn of God and follow God, you know what you need? You need to be born again. You're not even going to see the kingdom. Wait a minute, wait, I've been in church. My, I've been in temple, my whole life. What are you talking about? And Jesus goes, wait, you don't even know this basic stuff? How can you be a leader? And so, as an illustration, Jesus borrowed from the Old Testament, because the Old Testament is given to show us things in the New Testament that God wants to do in our lives. And so, he he quotes from, um, he said in in John uh, 3, verses 14 through 16. So, this leads up to that very famous, you know, God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. He starts with, even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. And he's referring back to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 21 is a time when they were, the Jews were marching along or, or wandering along with Moses in this wilderness, and he got discouraged. In other words, life goes on. We're kind of following the Lord, We're doing, you know what? It's just hard. I don't like this desert life. I don't like what God's doing or not doing in my life. And it says there's souls. I mean, this is not just like, oh, I stubbed my toe. This is deep. And it just got very discouraged. And then they find fault. So God removed protection. How's that? He said, oh, you know how I've protected you from snakes all this time? You can look this up. They got some nasty snakes over there. Nasty spiders. Just no thanks. So he removed his protection. All this time, nobody's gotten bit by a snake. And it said he sent snakes their way. What? And they bit people. And many died. So here's the deal. If you're picturing this, you as a mom or dad or grandparent someone very close to you just got bit by a snake you tried to prevent it they got through whatever snuck in your tent and they're dying they have poison in their system the poison is the result it's a picture of sin that's going to kill you and they go to moses hey listen it's your fault that we're out here You better be a a doctor and find the solution. And so Moses turns to God and says, What am I supposed to do? God says, Make a bronze snake, bronze serpent. Now, bronze was the metal of judgment. And put it on a stick. And place it there. And if someone gets bit, all they have to do is look upon the bronze, the judgment snake, and you'll be healed. Would you do that? Would you? Moses, is that all you got? How about some, I don't know, got some medication or something? I mean, look on a stick. See, at that point, you can argue or you can surrender. You can just shake your fist. and You think that's all it takes? You know, just um, Why don't you try it? Why don't you try it? And it says, those who looked upon that snake, the judged snake, which represented sin being judged, they were healed. They were cleared of that poison. And here Jesus saying, that's the same way Moses lifted up the snake, the Son of Man is going to be lifted up. That whoever looks upon him, not by going to church, not by giving money, not by, you know, cleaning up the beach, but by looking at Jesus Christ... And putting my guilt, the poison of my sin, onto Him and receiving His forgiveness in return. That's called good news. That's what gospel means. So if I've been bit by the snake, I've sinned. So have you. And God's solution, look to Jesus for forgiveness. And you can say, well, I got to do something more than that. You can argue with God all you want, or you can surrender and say, I choose to believe in God's offering of his only son. So we end on how can I pray for you? People, uh, we got picked up at the airport by this Aussie woman who thinks you have an accent. She's the only one who speaks normal English. And she goes, hey, so what did you like about the conference? What stood out to you? And we shared, you know, various speakers who were just incredible. It was really encouraging. But what I thought about later on was we ended in prayer. We ended by going, hey, you know what? We ended early. Uh, We're going to pray with one another. I don't know about you, but right away I go, oh, man. Come on, it's the end. It's been a long day. I got to check out of my hotel room. I got to drive... 100 of miles to the airport. I don't have time. I have every excuse. And I'm putting away my Bible and stuff. You know, that takes like three hours, right? I look around. I see a guy in the back, the rope back behind me, on the end, all by himself. I go, hey, you want to pray? Where are you from? Arizona. Where are you from? Hawaii. Where? North Shore, Haliba says, I have a twin brother who lives up Pupikea. And you know what? That guy can pray. And that became like the highlight for me to think that I almost excused myself. I almost, you know, I found all these reasons. I I didn't have time. You know what? We have time. And I'm encouraging you, find someone. Guys with guys. Gals with guys. How about with your spouse? And just pray. And here's some things you can say, well, how can I pray? How many need to hear, you know what? The Lord is in your life. You just didn't know. It. The Lord's got you right here this morning. Or, or how many need to hear the second one? To, to consider people who are often in pain as you're operating in a, a knowledge of the Word of God coupled with the grace of God. Or finally, someone who might need admonishing. Of the gospel, some of them might need to know hey, you really do just have to fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. It's not about making this sacrifice or going here or doing this, it's about trusting that Christ's sacrifice is enough to forgive you of your sin to cause restoration between you and God. We're going to take, I don't know, 10 minutes or so. Please pray with someone. After that, the worship team will come out, back up. Guys, Jesus said, in my Father's house, it's gonna be a house of prayer. So pray with someone. Father, help us. Uh, we, we know there's people here in pain. We know there's people here who, who doubt that you're in their life and doubt that you're for them at this point and just have every reason to be mad. We pray you'd send your Holy Spirit to do a work that only your Holy Spirit can do. In Jesus' name.